This is David Freeman. I'm the Chief Clinical Officer at Community Connections in Washington, D.C., and this is Essential Connections, Tips and Techniques for Case Managers. This episode is Crisis Prevention. Most days, we accomplish simple things. Take a shower, clean the kitchen, exercise, make some money, eat dinner, have some fun with a friend. Normal stuff. So what happens when the hot water heater breaks and your roommate left dishes in the sink and you hurt your back while working out and you get a reprimand at the office and you burn the broccoli and you get in an argument with your friend who is just stupid and unempathic? Is a crisis around the corner? Or maybe you are dealing with a coworker or a neighbor who is subtly provocative, insulting, even taunting. Maybe their problem is going to precipitate your crisis. Or maybe you've spent today's energy trying to be treated with respect, to be heard and understood, to get through the day without being threatened. And maybe today, those efforts fell short. You were up against too much disrespect and insult, too much misunderstanding and ignorance. Now, is there a brewing crisis? Some of us have a mental illness, an addiction, a history of violent victimization, or a painful and scary physical illness. All of us are confronted with societal injustices of racism, sexism, gender discrimination. This is a lot of stressors, and they make each of us uniquely vulnerable to a crisis. Maybe when things go wrong, you chalk it up to a bad day. Or maybe you can feed off the pain to energize some changes in your life structure. Perhaps it's time to move or get a new job or get out of a relationship. Or maybe, after a time of building tension and frustration and agitation, you are overwhelmed and, convinced of a bad outcome, you slip into a crisis, a paroxysm of disordered, intense emotion, and you just howl at life's injustices. Good stuff can come out of these crises, but they can also be dangerous. So, luckily, most crises can be prevented. For each of us, the prevention of a crisis looks a little different. Imagine a wise loved one, a person who knows what you have been through, who knows the rhythms and melodies of your life. Imagine this wise one gets you, understands what you need right now, knows your culture, what's normal for you and what isn't, knows your long-term goals and when you are off your game, knows how and when to prompt the mobilization of a coping skill. And importantly, imagine that this wise one knows when you need to go back to the drawing board to redraw your strategic plans. When we are the wise ones, we can help anticipate the crisis, ameliorate a stressor, soften an expectation, steer around an obstacle, provide a problem-solving tool, change a goal. Wise guidance can prevent crises. But we should also remember the limits of our wisdom. We don't know all the person's stressors or resources. We don't know how to read verbal and nonverbal cues, the cultural meaning of behavior and communication. Is this person always loud and tense or just in a crisis? Should that conditional threat be taken seriously? When we don't know how to read the other's cues, we can over or under react. 
This means that you can't always trust your gut. It means, in fact, that you might need to check your gut. Yes, use your gut reaction as a resource, but check out your gut perceptions with an experienced person. Don't assume that your own personal rules apply across race, gender, culture, background, and upbringing. And if we have problems of our own in that moment of a person's crisis, and our own problems feel overwhelming, we may not be the best person to intervene. It's really important to do a quick inventory of your available resources before entering a crisis intervention. Do you have what it takes at that moment? So overall, it's smart to approach crisis situations with a sense of humility. Thank you.